1: Hello
0: and welcome to this week's edition of the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. If you are a Penn State wrestling fan, this is the place to be. I've got a tremendous discussion with Nate Cobbler from the Center Daily Times coming up here in just a few minutes. That'll take up really most of uh, all of segment two and segment three. We have a lot of great uh, discussion points in that following Penn State's 29 to six thrashing at Iowa on Friday and just how awesome the Nittany line wrestling program is. How long can that dynasty last? We get into a lot of great topics with Nate Cobbler. Before we do that, I want to kind of recap a little bit of the week here with some football and basketball. Just <laughs> bizarre <laughs> head scratching news uh, of Chip Kelly leaving his job as UCLA's head coach in the Big Ten to become an offensive coordinator in the Big Ten at Ohio State. Now, Bill O'Brien was the named offensive coordinator for the Buckeyes three weeks ago. He's He left to become head coach at Boston College, so good luck to him. Um, I hope it works out for him up there. That's a tough place to win at a high level, but Bill's from Boston Spent a lot of time there uh with the Patriots. Um Probably a good family situation for him up there. All the medical care that his son with special needs can get. Probably just a, a, a nice place for the family. And Bill O'Brien doesn't have to go up out there and win nine or ten games. You know, he can be in charge, be in his hometown. He wins seven, ga- seven eight games at Boston College. That's pretty darn good, basically, compared to what that program's been at for a long time. So, uh, but he leaves Boston college and then Ohio state brings in chip Kelly to be the offensive coordinator. Now, look, this is probably a better move for Ohio state than bill O'Brien, to be honest. I mean, I, I like bill bills had a lot of success in his career, but uh, in terms of what Ohio state likes to do and and traditionally, and and given chip Kelly's um, history with some creative offenses, yeah, I think you'd probably rather have Chip Kelly than Bill O'Brien there, and so this is probably worst news for Penn State, at least in the short term. Because I don't know how long Chip Kelly's going to be there. He may want to be a head coach again, but just the, the it's just bonkers to think of a guy making six million dollars leaving that job as a head coach of a name institution. It's going to the Big Ten. I mean, UCLA, look, folks, I think UCLA is really going to struggle in the Big Ten. I think they're going to have a lot of issues. I think that's a soft, finesse program. Uh, you know, USC, Oregon, Washington, they've had programs at times that have been built on some strength and everything, and, and they're, they're going to have some issues as well here and there. I just think UCLA is going to have a lot of problems trying to adapt to the Big Ten. But still. Chip Kelly was the head coach at UCLA making $6 million a year, and he quits that job to become offensive coordinator at Ohio State, where he's probably going to be making $2 million a year. Clearly, clearly Chip Kelly was looking for a situation that he would enjoy more. He probably knows exactly what I just said, that UCLA is going to struggle in the Big Ten. There are already a lot of folks that don't like Chip Kelly at UCLA, think that he wasn't doing a good enough job and so you get out while you can and uh, instead of, you know, hey, look, that's a phenomenal landing spot. He could win national titles or compete for national titles, at least at Ohio State, and turn that into a much, much better head coaching job than UCLA. So strategically, I get it. Hey, strategically, you know, you can clearly see what Chip Kelly's thinking here instead of getting fired at UCLA in the next year or so if they struggle you go to Ohio State now just the optics of it are so weird i just don't i don't think this is i'm not sure this has ever happened in college football at this level yeah guys might leave uh, a program of you know, some name a little bit um as a head coach a smaller program but to to leave a big 10 school as head coach to go to another big 10 school as offensive coordinator Just pretty wild. Uh, So, just kind of comical when I saw that immediately. You just kind of start shaking your head of college sports, man. You just can never figure out what the heck's going on. Penn State men's basketball touch on it very quickly here. Uh, Mike Rhodes is just doing an excellent job with the Nittany Lions. They're six and six uh, as I record this uh, heading into their game Sunday. Coming up, uh, Sunday afternoon at Northwest. So that's going to be a very challenging game. Um, so, but hey, they won three in a row going into the game. Mike Rhodes has done a nice job. Uh, they're six and six last year at this time. Remember, Micah Shrewsbury was five and nine, five and nine in the Big Ten. And as I've said repeatedly, Michael Shrewsbury owes his career to, uh, you know, at Penn State to a, a three week stretch. He had a great three week stretch because after being five and nine, if they go on and you know, struggle the rest of the way last year at Penn State, you know, there's been a lot of pressure on Michael Shrewsbury. And he's not getting a job at Notre Dame with that kind of pressure. Instead, they got hot, make the tournament, win a game. But uh, Mike Rhodes doing really well. Now, they're still right around 100th in the NCAA net rankings. It's not any, anything remotely close to an NCAA tournament team, as somebody asked me during the week. The wins, look, the, the Big Ten is just down. Penn State's wins. Iowa Indiana, Rutgers. Well, Iowa is five and seven in the league. Indiana is six and seven in the league. Rutgers is five and seven in the league. You know, a couple other wins. Penn State has Ohio State. They're four and nine. Michigan is three and ten. So, you know, five of Penn State's wins in the Big Ten are against the uh, five of the six lowest rank lowest uh, teams in the uh, uh, in the conference. So, it's not like Penn State's going out and knocking off a bunch of good teams, but there's still wins. And they're six and six, and you can tip your cap to what they're doing in the program. All they needed to do was really stay afloat this year, and Mike Rhodes is proving that uh, he can do a nice job with a roster. So not you know not sure how it'll all bode for the future, but good job by that program as they head in looking for a four-game winning streak. All right, coming up here in the next couple segments, terrific discussion. It was about 20 minutes or so with Nate Cobbler from the Center Daily Times. If you love wrestling, we ta- uh, touch on a whole bunch of good stuff. Welcome back. I'll tell you what, uh, we know how awesome the Penn State wrestling team is. I think a lot of people probably figured they could go into Iowa Friday night and win big, Uh, but 29-6 to and just dominating uh, and just making it look so easy. Nate Cobbler from the Center Daily Times joins me now. Did you expect a blowout? Did you expect a, a big, pretty easy win, Cobbler? Well,
1: we, uh, past two weeks and the uh, other writer that we have at the CET, we did a bout by bout prediction and, um, we kind of, we both kind of agreed that it was going to be a 20 plus point win for Penn State. Um, I had Penn State, uh, losing only one match last night. Of course, they only, they lost two, but they, um, my, my coworker, he predicted the score right on. So maybe he needs to take my job or something. But, um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where after seeing what they did to Ohio State and knowing what Iowa had, uh, you knew that it was going to be large, but how large it was going to be. And it turned out to be the largest victory that Penn State's never had against Iowa last night. So. Well,
0: this is the number three team in the country, and Penn State's number one in undefeated. How big is the gap? How big is the divide? between Penn State and everybody else. Is it it feasible to think that anybody in a dual meet uh, could give give Penn State any level of of a threat at
1: all? Well, we're going to see here next Sunday um, because they wrestled Nebraska in their last Big Ten dual of the year. And Nebraska, if I remember correctly, is number four in the country right now. And they went and um, beat up on Michigan pretty good last night. That was the match was on before Penn State and Iowa last night. But uh, there's going to be a lot of good matchups with with Penn State, Nebraska. That'll be up at Rec Hall, um, like I said, next Sunday. So that you know that there will see we'll see the will be like the litmus test, I guess you could say, because um, Oklahoma State, who's number two, Penn State's not going to wrestle them, of course, because different conference and all that fun stuff. We're at the end of the year here, but. Um, well, it's going to be interesting to see how, how things line up with Nebraska here next Sunday, because that, that one looks like it's going to be really good
0: as well. Before we kind of just dive into Iowa, I want to t- touch on the big picture component first. Is there anything stopping Penn State from rolling to another national championship? And quite frankly, a very easy and comfortable and blowout win in the national championship. What, what, what's stopping Pen- Penn State from
1: that? Um, injuries. <laughs> um you know I, I joke about that, but I mean that's that's really that's really all it's gonna be to be honest with you. Um, you know they have five guys who are ranked number one right now uh, and they have I want to say it was uh, seven that were ranked in the top two of their weight, six seven something like that um, so the the way that law lines up, of course, you know Corey when it comes to tournament action, Number one C gets the easiest route. Number two C gets the next easiest route and so on and so forth. So, um, it's, it's really one of those things where this team has the potential to be, uh, to have a historical season from a point of they could possibly become only the second team to ever have 10 All Americans, um, at, you know, NCAA championships. Of course, Iowa being the one and only that has had that done. And it's, it's feasible that. You know, they could have six, seven guys in the finals on Saturday evening in Kansas City. Uh, you know, towards the end of March there. So, I'm I'm hoping that doesn't happen for myself because it'll be a nut. It'll be a crazy night for writing. But um, if it happens, it happens, and we make the best of it and roll with it. So, it's going to be quite quite the interesting scene. Come Kansas City here, like I said, at the end of March. From a uh,
0: just a historical standpoint, how rare is it to have five number one guys? I mean, is there? Do you know of story? I mean, have you ever heard of six or seven? What's the most that you've ever heard of? Because five, five out of ten, uh, your ten starters being number one in their weight class, uh, I mean, that's just pretty remarkable.
1: I mean, it's become a common thing for Penn State <laughs> because they've had, you know, they had all those guys that won national championships. You know, with Bo Nickel and Jason Nolfe and Vicenza Joseph and Mark Hall and Zane Rutherford, and I mean, all those guys were number one at one point. So, it's becoming more and more common for Penn State to have that. It's just a matter of okay, what's the next step? What's the next step that could happen with this team and then this dynasty that, you know, it's just, it's astounding to sit here now, and I've been doing it for eight years, and you know, they, they had a documentary on the Big Ten Network last night about Anthony Kassar, who the most remarkable um, last wrestling seasons for college wrestling, where here's a guy, he, the story of his life is he never made the state tournament until his senior year of high school, won the state title. And here again, he falls into college where he never made the NCAA until his senior year at Penn State, and he won, won, it, won it, his senior year at Penn State mind mindfully taking out arguably one of the greatest wrestlers to come through college wrestling in Minnesota's Gable Stevenson. So it's it's just amazing to see what I've seen over these last eight years to see where it's gonna to go to next because you know, this year they've got and pulled in a couple of people from the transfer portal with Aaron Nagal and Bernie Truax and Mitchell Messenbrink and Messenbrink is looking the best out of all the three of them. And he was sitting on his couch last year at this time because he was shirt and wasn't wrestling. So it's it's just amazing. And I, I, it's only going to be um, more to take in here in the coming years, again, with all the recruits they'll have coming in and the continuation of the whole transfer.
0: I personally like dynasties. I like, you know, the the Patriots won a bunch of Super Bowls, and you knew who the best team was, and y- you knew if you were going to win it all, you were going to have to go through them at some point. Alabama right. football, you were going to have to go yep. through them. UConn women, you were going to have to go through them. So I I I love the fact that um, you got Penn State here at the top. Everybody's gunning for you. But this was a comment that uh, somebody posted at DK Pittsburgh sports is what the reader said. He said, while the streak and such dominance is certainly good for Penn state. I'm not sure if it is good for the sport as a whole, when the real place, when the real race is for second place, is that really what people want? I'm going to throw that out to you there. Then what is the feeling around the country? Because obviously Penn State has won 53 consecutive dual meets and all the you know 10 whatever national championships under Kale and 200 dual meet wins and Starachis won 60 something in a row. But is there a feeling at all around the rest of the country that the dynasty is is not necessarily good for wrestling?
1: So I preface that by saying, what is it about dynasties that people don't like? It's the fact that you get some some of those teams that there's a there's an arrogance to it. Am I wrong? In th- am I wrong in saying? Yeah, the
0: Patriots. You know, people didn't like people didn't like Belichick and Brady. They thought they were cheating. Right. Uh, people don't like right. Alabama because you know they they should like felt. Probably a little bit of an arrogance. I think jealousy. UConn. I think it comes down to jealousy, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. So, and that might be the red, the better term is jealousy, as far as a fan standpoint goes. But the, you know, there comes a point where those teams, you know, you can see that in the personas where they they just come off like, I expect to be here, and I deserve to be here, and if I don't make it here, then you know I'm going to throw a tantrum, or I'm going to throw a fit, right? So. The difference with Penn State is they're too likable. Like, yes, they're dominating everybody, but people across the country, like, if it's not their their team, they're rooting for Penn State. And I don't know if it's because it's Kale Sanderson. I don't know if it's because the wrestlers on the team are so personable and they're not, you know, they're very humble and they're not out there you know, raw, 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 raw is me, and, you know, you know, beating their chest. Now, some of them do. Starock, yes, he does. He does beat on his chest, but he backs it up. And so you can't, you can't ignore that, and you can't fault that. So it's one of those things where, is it good for the sport? Probably not. But it's also not hurting the sport because it's not like the casual wrestling fan is like, oh, here we go again. Here it's Penn State. It's more like... They're like, well, hey, it's Penn State, and you know they do they do it the right way, and you know that's that. So it's 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 a weird a weird situation, I guess you could say.
0: because, uh, like I said, I, I I like to see dynasties. I like to see whoever, you know, is at the top. And uh, I'm just wondering, you probably get this a lot or you've thought a lot about this. How long can this go on? We're talking about 10 national championships since 2011. Should, should run away with it this year. That would be 11 under Kale. How long can this go on? Can it go on 15 years? Can it go on... 17 years, 19 years. Now that the ball is rolling, and I would imagine, you know, most phenomenal wrestlers in the country would have every reason to want to go to Penn State. How long is it reasonably feasible to think that this this just insane run can
1: continue? So, it's kind of twofold. One is as long as Kale's there, it's going to continue because like you said, if you are the, a wrestler and your, your dream and aspiration, which is common for all wrestlers, is to become an Olympic champion, why don't you go to Penn State? Like, that's the question. Why don't you? And so it's it's one of those things where, you know, Mitchell Mason, Mason Brink, like I said, the transfer to come in, He's he has said nothing about, he has always said about how you want to be around like-minded people. And if your idea is to be an Olympic champion, you want to be around other people that want to be Olympic champions because A, if they're better than you, they're only going to make you get better. In turn, it's going to allow you to, 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 uh, achieve your goal, but it's also going to help them achieve their goal as well, where it might not be your time now, but when they happen to, you know, go on and move on to something else, then there you are to fill that gap. And you, you're going to start seeing that coming here on the U.S. Olympic team because of the success that the Nittany Line Wrestling Program has and the Nittany Line Wrestling Club and, um, you know, just the amount of wrestlers that they have coming in. And what I'm what I'm astounded by is you have all of these guys that will come in here and they can start at any other Division I program. Like, currently you got, like, David Evans, who's uh, sitting behind Tyler Kasach at 149 pounds. You have a guy like Terrell Barraqua, who he was in the starting lineup for, you know, a, a, a year or two, and now he's he's behind Messenbrink and Sterachi, and he could very easily go and start another Division One program and even become an All American. It, it, it's just amazing to me how these guys put put that ego aside to go into a room like that to uh, better themselves, learn more, and continue to grow. And then the next part of that, the second part of that, is. As long as there's no rules for this NIL stuff <laughs> like Penn State's booster club the the reports came out years ago how how high and far and above Penn State's <laughs> booster club is so much more has so much more money than the next closest university booster club in the country So that's interesting. Let me stop
0: you there real quick, because that's really quite frankly and honestly, that's one of the things that will hold Penn State football back is they don't have the money that some of these they don't have the money that Ohio State has. They just don't. I mean, Penn State's got a lot of money and they can do a lot of things, but it's going to be hard for Penn State in the NIL landscape and and all of these intangibles. It's going to be hard for Penn State to catch Ohio State, let alone Georgia or, or Alabama or anybody else like that. But in wrestling, Penn State's at the top, and they can kind of get whatever they want because they've got the they've got the backing,
1: right? You got it, hundred percent. You got it. Yeah, Interesting. and that's why you see that's why you see the you know again we talk about wrestlers that stay. You you got guys like Casey Cunningham, who's an assistant coach, and even Cale's brother Cody, who's the head assistant coach or associate head coach. I think his official title is those guys easily could go out on their own and go run another program but they stay here and why would that be well nobody knows what the figures are for payment wise of the coaches or anything like that but if they're being compensated enough why why have the headache of having to go and you know recruit and do things like that and you know if things happen then it all falls on you as the head coach. And you can stay here with your brother and, and, you know, very good friend and continue to roll with what you got going on and continue to win national championships.
0: Kale's only 44. Is there, is there any reason to believe that Kale might just decide one day, ah, I've I've done enough. I'm, I'm just going to walk away at 45, 46 years old, or, or is he still doing this for a long, long time?
1: No, no, he'll, he'll be doing it for a long, long time because, because uh, of his love for the sport and his love to be able to mentor guys to not only be uh good people on the mat from an athletic standpoint but to be great people off the mat. So it's it's one of those things where it was Dan Gable way back. I shouldn't even say way back, I should say, you know, you know back in the I wanna say it was uh eighties and nineties and now you're seeing it with Kale Sanderson in the, you know, the 2000s, 2010s, 2020s, you know, and things like that. So I don't see it stopping time soon as far as him, you know, as far as him stopping coaching unless he just gets tired of winning and who gets tired of winning. So.
0: 29-6 over Iowa. Anything stand out to you the most? I mean, all kinds of superlatives from a bunch of different guys. Anything jump out the most?
1: um I I think it was good that Um, Braden Davis, the 125 pounder lost, um, because now he can go the rest of the year here with a confidence of, well, hey, look where I got to and look where I can, um, progress toward. And he now has a feel that for, for Drake Ayala, um, he needs to get one more, one more feel for, Purdue's Matt Ramos, but he ain't going to get that till the Big Ten Conference so uh, championship. So it's going to be one of those things where a loss at this point in the year will be very helpful and beneficial for the true freshman. Um, Tyler Kasach, kind of same thing. His only loss was to a teammate in Bo Bartlett at a different weight class earlier this year. So that would help as well. And what what I was intrigued with the most was last night, was the first time this year where Aaron Brooks did not record bonus points in a wrestling match. Now he's 11-0, and 0, but 10 of those wins now have been with bonus points, and he looks very poised to possibly um, win the Hodge Trophy, which is um, the Heisman Trophy basically for college wrestling. So um, those were the kind of the things that kind of stuck out to me. Bo Bartlett looks like he's on a different level after picking up that win last night um, against so, uh It's going to be quite an interesting scene here over the postseason come what uh, will start here in about three weeks.
0: Awesome so. discussion, man. I always enjoy catching up with you and picking your brain on this stuff, Nate. Really appreciate it, pal. All right. Hey, take care. Good stuff. Nate Cobbler from the CDT.